Hey guys, Danny here, Editorial Director of Courier, the magazine all about working better and living smarter. This podcast, Looking Up, is a brand new six-part series that shines a light on small business owners here in the UK that have been going against the odds, getting clever with new ideas, supporting their local community, and sometimes even growing in big ways during the pandemic and beyond. Looking Up is created in partnership with Instagram, which built products and features to promote small businesses and help them grow in tough times. So last week, we kicked it all off in Courier's home base of London. Today, we're heading north to Manchester. So I'm here again with Courier editor Amir Jiwa, and also today, our resident Mancunian, our creative director, Kate McInerney. How guys? Hello. Hey. So this is obviously a really weird time or maybe a good time to be doing an episode about, you know, small businesses in Manchester. You know, this week, the city's heading into a more heightened state of lockdown, as it were. It's going into tier three. Kate, I mean, as someone living in Manchester, is there like a palpable difference in like the energy up there and the small businesses? Have you talked to anybody and they're worried? I think that there's a little underlying tension between obviously, just as a result of what's going on. But I feel like Mancunians in particular are really like banding together and they're just all really supporting each other and you know everybody is is really looking out for one another and doing shout outs about other businesses and you know they're really trying to find ways to help each other out in this time and I think that's one thing that I've really observed as an adopted Mancunian it's just one of those cities where everybody really 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 cares about each other and about how the city you know thrives and and I think that it's just become really even more noticeable at the moment. Yeah. And that's actually what Len and Harry told me and which you guys will hear soon. I mean, Len himself is an adopted Mancunian. He was born in London, but he's been in Manchester for 20 years. But they both of them said, you know, the small businesses have rallied around one another and everything. So, I mean, yeah, Len, he, he's a fashion agent. He runs Northern Lights Home, which is a, a brick and mortar homeware plant and lifestyle shop in Ancoats. And Harry is the co-owner of Form, uh, lifestyle store in, in the Northern Quarter. And they both have some really interesting things to say. But I mean, Kate, as you said, you're an adopted Mancunian like Len. Amir, you were looking into it and you actually found out that last summer there was a, a huge spike actually in people moving to Manchester compared to the previous year, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, that what I found when I was doing my research is that Manchester is just considered like an incredible place to live. The Economist put it at the top of its global livability index. So in terms of UK cities for both 2018 and 2019, like the housing market is booming. Last summer, there was like a 117% spike in people moving to Manchester. You know, it's great that we're covering some brick and mortar kind of homeware lifestyle shops today, because um, I think it makes sense that those kinds of brands would set up shop in Manchester when there's so many people moving there and, and kind of moving there to live a better life. And yeah, Kate, I mean, have you seen, you know, in your wanderings around town or, or online on social media or whatever, any examples? Of, of small businesses adapting and pivoting in interesting ways or, you know, rallying around one another in the small business community? Yeah, absolutely. I have noticed lots of examples, actually. One that I saw yesterday, this sort of street vendor and food market put up a post that said, if anybody at pubs around Manchester or in the greater Manchester area need a street vendor to come and sell food at their pub just to get in touch and they would make sure that they could line somebody up. And I just thought that was really a really amazing way to support pubs that are obviously going to have to close. And I think that's a real testament to what people in Manchester are like. They just, you know, it's a really vibrant, creative city. And I think people really struggle when they can't 
express that amongst themselves. And I think it's a real testament to the city and how they're they're all rallying around each other. Cool. Thanks, Kate. And Amira, we're going to catch up with you in just a bit. So first up today, we're catching up with Len Hamilton. Len was born in London, raised in Birmingham, and has made Manchester his home for almost two decades. He runs three businesses. He's got a fashion agency called Northern Lights. He's got a fashion brand called B4 Basics. And just before lockdown, he launched a plant and lifestyle shop in Manchester's Ancoats neighborhood called Northern Lights Home. We're going to dig into how he's bounced back from what some people would say is bad timing for a shop launch and why he says the Manchester small business community often feels like a family. Here's Len. Basically, I've got a plant, flower and homeware store in Manchester in a place called Ancoats, which is not far from the northern quarter. Ancoats is like an up and coming part of Manchester. Apparently, it's the like, top 13 place in the world to live. This is from the New York Times. The Manchester Tourist Authority. That's right. So, yes, yeah, so the store's been open about six months now. And we started off wanted to be a little bit different from a normal plant shop. So we started off selling plants and flowers. And then we've gone into more homewares as well now. We sell wine. We sell natural wines, vegan wines. And then we sell wines from France, from Italy. And then we also sell the accessories for that. So we sell decanters, we sell wine glasses, we sell room sprays, we do skincare, we sell art, jewellery, perfumes and bedding. So it's become this lifestyle stroke plant shop. It's amazing, actually. You go in and you kind of feel like you're going into like an art studio or something. It's like really well presented. That's what's been keeping me busy. And obviously Northern Lights Agency, because I'm an agent for clothing as well. So I look after Armalux, which is a French Breton brand. I also look after another brand called Le Mont Saint-Michel, which again is from France. And then I do an English shoe brand called Sanders, which is made in the UK. And then I've got my own brand called B4 Basics, which is just up and coming. We've just done a, a drop called Bonjour Madame, which sold out straight away. So yeah, keeping myself busy and trying to keep sane. Amazing. So you said you launched the homeware and lifestyle shop six months ago. If my timeline is correct, that's exactly when lockdown hit. That's right. Yes, basically. We opened three weeks before the lockdown and it was like, oh my God, we have to close sort of after three weeks. But we got a good gauge in those three weeks how busy we would be because it's the only plant store in Ancoat. So we've got quite a bit of a cult following. So we opened for three weeks and had to close, which was just a nightmare, as you can imagine. But it was a nightmare for everyone, wasn't it? So then we had to renegotiate our rents and all that sort of stuff. It was quite a bit of a trying time at the time, to be honest. While we were closed for the lockdown, we started working on the social media to get that working. It just gave us time to kind of build it back up and get people talking about the shop again. So in between that, we did this really cool thing called the plant hunt. So while people was only allowed out for an hour, we sort of targeted those people and said, oh, while you're out for an hour jogging or walking or walking your dog, you might see a couple of plants dotted around in Ancoats. So we create this hype on the Instagram and then it just went absolutely berserk. There's everybody out in Ancoats. Everybody was looking for these plants. For some reason, somebody noticed the car that was driving with my friend and told somebody, oh, he's in a black car. And after a bit, everyone was waiting on the corners. <laughs> the plant hunt should have lasted all day. It lasted two hours. People literally find them straight away because they kind of recognize the car. Did you send them to a city park? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because where we are, Ancoat's quite small. 
So we couldn't really walk around the streets of these plants because it'd been obvious because you've got to carry them, obviously. So it'd be easier to pull up in the car, jump out, take a video, and then jump back in the car and go and find the, you know, the next spot to um, put it down or to hide it. Yeah, so that was really, really, really good and kind of helped a lot of people and kind of put a bit of a smile on their face as well in Manchester, in the north of Manchester. It's been quite up and down at the moment. You probably know about the new lockdown measures that's going on in Manchester. But you just got to keep going. Well, you can't fight against it, can you? What can you do? That's the law in it. You've got, these are the rules. You can either break the rules and get fines and big fines and also put other people in jeopardy. So hopefully in these next two weeks, people will do what they're supposed to be doing and then we'll be out of it. What's the Manchester small business scene like? Because I know you're actually not from there. You you were born in London. You grew up in Birmingham and you're kind of an adopted Mancunian, as it were, right? How do all those local scenes differ from each other in terms of like the small business scene? I'll start with Manchester because Manchester, I've kind of been here for nearly 20 years now. Manchester City Council is one of the most creative councils in the country where they kind of encourage small businesses to start, you know, so they help you with your rents. They try and help you with your rents. They're not on you straight away. And there's a lot of creative people who can start small coffee shops and small businesses and do very, very well out of it. Whereas Birmingham City Council, they're a little bit more difficult. They don't encourage these small businesses to start. I do know a lot of creative people in Birmingham who just can't start up because one, the rents are really, really premium. And two, the city council don't get these new and young businesses and they're not really interested. They're only interested in big corporate businesses because they're very, very similar to London, you know, with the rents and the rates. Whereas Manchester, there's a lot of creative people here and there's almost like a hub of creative people. So starting up stuff here is a lot easier. I was reading an interview with you the other day where you were saying, you know, business it's been a bit slow, obviously, because of the pandemic, and it's been slow for everybody. But then you, you mentioned something about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And, and you said, you know, obviously, there's been a rallying around black founders around the world in the past couple of months. I don't know if, if you've experienced any uptick whatsoever, or if you think that's just a blip, and um, it'll go away in a month or two. It's really funny because around the lockdown, obviously, there's more people on their phones, on their iPads, because they sat around and on their laptops. When the Black Lives Matter was launched, it was almost like the perfect time for people to stand up and realise what would recognise what was going on. The thing is, social media is, it can be very progressive, but also can be very, very cold. For example, if you think about the black square that was shared around the Black Lives Matter, at that time, everyone was sharing it. It almost became like this thing for everyone to share because everyone still thought we've had enough of that. But since then, it's almost like it's not cool to share that sort of stuff no more, so you don't see it, which is a shame because... I think the whole point of the Black Lives Matter was it was so people could stand up and realise what was actually going on. And I think now, because less people are sharing it, it almost as if it's like forgotten about. Then it's for the wrong reasons, isn't it? It's not something that you you share one month and then think it's okay because it's still going on, isn't it? Re my business, I deliberately didn't go out to set out for, for people to know who I was. I just wanted people to come into the shop because of what the shop was, not because it was a black guy you know, who was the owner of it. And I wanted people to experience that before anyone found out, oh, do you know what, that store in, in Manchester, Northern Lights Home is owned by a black guy. That's not the point for me. The point was I wanted people to come and shop because how beautiful the shop is and because of the items in the store. Manchester's Finest did that article on me and I did feel like I got an uplift, like obviously got more followers and there's more people saying, oh, well done and didn't know he was a black guy and da 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 
But I think the majority of people don't care whether I'm black, white, Indian, or whatever, they're coming in to buy the plants or they're coming in to buy the flowers. They're not thinking, right, I'm going to go and support Len. I'm going to go and spend 100 quid on a flower or, or some plants. They're going in because they can get what they need. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I wanted to create. You have a couple of businesses, right? So you have your new fashion brand, you have this homeware and, and lifestyle and plant shop, and you have your fashion agency. Do you think that set you up a little bit to be a bit, you know, more flexible and adaptable for whatever hits you, right? If you have to close down your brick and mortar shop, then you still have your agency or, you know, you have your fashion brand, which you could sell online. hundred percent. Yeah. So we're working on our online store at the moment for Northern Lights Home. Yeah, that's exactly it. You've hit the nail on the head. With retail, and especially with being an agent, obviously, when people come and buy a collection, say you were buying an Armani collection and you're a buyer for Selfridges, you don't necessarily go to Armani in Italy to go and buy the collection, buy it from an agent. Me being the middleman, it's not easy and it's not super hard, but you think of lot of the buyers, for example, they're not going to go into your showrooms because of restrictions. So everything's done online or done on Zoom. So my business at the moment, I deal with a lot of independent stores. So unless you've got like a quite a busy online store, they suffered through the lockdown because a lot of the bigger boys, they put a lot of money into their online stores. So they had an uplift. They're busier than they've ever been probably because less people are going into shops. But if you're an independent and you, you, know, you work with local people coming into your stores and you never invested in your online store, you're probably going to struggle. I think it's important to have as many plates as possible spinning because you don't know when one's going to stop spinning, do you? I think next year is going to be the hardest year for people. I don't think it's this year. I think it's next year because next year, for example, you're going to start have to pay your business rates. All these things go back up. All the loans that you've had, you're going to have to start paying back. Next year is going to be the toughest year, I think. Not this one. Not this one at all. Do you think business owners in Manchester are, are they a hardy bunch? Are they, are, they, are they better than other people to prepare for that and to kind of adapt to that kind of stuff, do you think, or no? Yeah, well, the thing is that it's easy to say you do this, you do that. But the government dictate how they react. They react. If there's no money, they say money's not everything. But actually, you can't do anything without no money. And even if they went to Barbados, you still need to go and buy a couple of you know, bananas and bloody or melons. You can't just, you have to have some sort of income to live your lives. And I think Manchester, it always feels like local. Everyone feels like they're local because everyone kind of knows each other or knows someone who knows somebody. So they've got this almost like a family vibe between everybody. But at the same time, if they haven't got the funds, you can't do anything, dude. You can't open a door unless you can have people coming into your shop or, your, or into your restaurant or into your bar. You know, to be honest, we've been on a local lockdown for three months. So there's been people that haven't been earning for the last three months anyway, who are struggling already. So then now to add more restrictions, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to survive, mate. They're not going to survive. So it's worrying times for some people. It's worrying times for some people. But obviously the next two and a half weeks will tell, won't it? If we manage to keep the R8 down, then hopefully they'll get back to business. But for some reason, I don't think that's going to happen. Tough times, but you got to keep going, you mate. Coming up after the break, we're with the co-owner of a lifestyle shop not far from Len in Manchester's Northern Quarter to check on how they've pivoted to e-commerce as a lifeline. That's up next. It's Amira, and I'm chatting to small businesses who have used Instagram to thrive during lockdown. In the last three months alone, people around the world posted more than 47 million stories with the support small business sticker. Small businesses like Bucky Baldwin Here's founder Ibikin on how she used Instagram to grow her business. 
We're based in Manchester and all our fabric is sourced in Manchester, manufactured and everything from recycled plastic. And we, at the moment, are doing a fashion collection. So it's made to order. All sizes welcome, any size, any shape, and we make it for them. What motivated you to start, you know, a sustainable, ethical fashion brand? It was just like out of, I need to do something. And I'm seeing all these fashion companies. The profit power in this industry is insane. People selling t-shirts that cost them £3 to make for £500 because it has a certain logo on. And I was like, what if these profits are used to help people? So everything we do from the way the clothes are designed to what we do with our profits is all for providing opportunities for the marginalised. And have you had to adapt your business during COVID? We originally had a shop space and we didn't have our stock online. And then when COVID crisis came, we had to close up shop, which was in the Whitworth Gallery in Manchester, and rethink how are we going to survive COVID? What I just ended up doing is changing it completely to e-commerce and all our branding, everything, the marketing is done through Instagram. It is literally our shop front now. So connecting with our customers, getting new customers, it's all done through Instagram. So it's been so helpful to get our voice out there, our message, and to show people what we're doing without them actually having to see us in the flesh. How do you use Instagram as a shop front? Yes, so we've been able to attach our items to the Instagram shop has been amazing because people go to our Instagram social media and see it and they can actually click on it to buy it. So that feature is really good because it avoids people having to take too many steps to get into the site. They can just go see an item they like and if they want it, buy it, which I hope they do. (laughs) Any other favourite features on Instagram? Stories are very good at keeping us engaged with people you know as opposed to posting all the time and getting people's responses to what kind of products they like so that's really helped and also being able to do Instagram ads and they've been really helpful to getting us seen in places where we normally wouldn't have that's really helped us get some extra reach. It sounds like Instagram has been really invaluable for you over the past few months. I don't know how we would reach people that we're not allowed to see in person. Our whole business is off Instagram at the moment. We have like Facebook and the others, but Instagram is our face to the customer and seeing a lot of different brands as well. Like that's how I find new brands as well for Instagram. It's such an important tool for us, definitely. Any advice for other small businesses who want to up their game on Instagram? I would say just keep trying loads of different things. Like try a post with hashtags, try a post without hashtags, try posting at different times. If someone comments, make sure you reply liking and following people in the same realm and also if you can afford to even just a little bit of a paid ad can really help bring people to as well harry williams and his partner ellie run form lifestyle store in manchester's northern quarter they sell handmade pieces from independent makers in a small brick and mortar shop which in normal times has also hosted a range of workshops events and pop-ups But as Harry tells it, during the past few months, they've had to double down on e-commerce. If anything's for certain, he says, much like Len, it's that you have to roll with the punches. Here's Harry. We're a small shop in Manchester's Northern Quarter and we stock only independent makers. So that means most of our products are are handmade. Me and my partner, Ellie, uh, we opened the shop uh, about three years ago. So this is our kind of third year of business coming up to our fourth Christmas. 
We started the business over like a, a shared interest and appreciation of everything that's handmade and the kind of skill and, and craft that goes into making these like really beautiful products. When I was growing up, both of my parents were full-time potters, so um, I was kind of exposed to a lot of it and kind of understood like kind of how hard it can actually be for people who um, put like everything into making the products that they're doing and that they, you know, it's actually quite hard sometimes for them to get stocked in larger shops. You know, big retailers are looking for really tight margins and, and will push you really hard and, and ask for big quantities that maybe you can't deliver because you're making everything by hand. We started the shop because we wanted to do something a little bit different from that and kind of offer like a space in a city centre where people could see all these goods and kind of get an appreciation for that as well. We felt it's something that isn't really traditionally seen in these big city centres. Maybe you can see that with the, the business model that these big shops are going with, with rents and everything. But what we thought was that the, there is a market for that and people do appreciate those things if they can have access to them. That's kind of really why we set it up and what we believe in. And for those who don't live in Manchester, what kind of neighbourhood are you guys located in? What's the vibe? So we're in uh, the Northern Quarter, which is kind of like where there's a lot more of uh, the independent shops. It's joining on with Ancoats, which is really a new area as well. So when we moved into Manchester five years ago, there was, um, I think there was nothing in Ancoats. <laughs> Literally, it was just old abandoned warehouses and maybe a couple of flat blocks and that was it. In the last couple of years, it's been transformed, which has been amazing for us as well. It's bringing a lot of people into the area who have got the, a mindset of, of shopping and eating with independence. So that's kind of the scene that's there with businesses. It's a really kind of exciting place to be at the moment. And despite the fact that we're kind of tucked away down a little side street, we're actually in like a, a grade two listed building, one of the oldest slum houses that are left in Manchester. So it's a bit of a find, but I think because of that, because the area is so exciting, people are coming and finding us. And um, yeah, it's a really good place, I think, for our business. What was going through your head when lockdown was first announced way back, you know, almost half a year ago now? Did you think, shit, this is the moment when form goes under? Or were you saying, hmm, actually, we can stay alive because, you know, for instance, we have an e-commerce element to our to our business? Initially, it was really difficult just because of how uncertain things were. It was starting to get really quiet in the city centre. And there wasn't really any guidance on what we should be doing. There was no advice on safety procedures. There was no information about financial aid or, you know, even if we should be open at all. It seemed like a lot of businesses were, were shutting their doors, uh, larger ones, say like, uh, like Apple or Patagonia, people who kind of like draw people into the city centre were able to, to close their doors on their shops. But for smaller businesses, it felt like, we were trapped a little bit. We needed to be open to be able to pay rent. That is the, the main element of our, our business and, and kind of with being in the city centre, the rent is high. So it was pretty worrying. But it, on the other side of it, we couldn't really argue that maybe we should look at closing. So it, it was really difficult on, on knowing what to do. And I think that can weigh really heavily on you. I actually worked full time alongside supporting Ellie and I was due to start a new role, which fell through due to COVID. So there was a lot of a, a stress that we didn't really need. It's an odd one because I think when you start a business, you know that everything isn't set in stone and it's not a journey of certainty. It felt like when we started, we knew that. And if we worked really hard, uh, we can make it work. And, and if something went wrong, it would have been our mistake um, that made it happen. And, and we could kind of live with that. But it, it did start to feel like maybe it was being taken out of our hands and we would have to close due to 
something that we had no control over. And, and I think that was really quite like a distressing thought to take on. Yeah, it's the absolute nightmare of control freaks, right? Something that's happening to them that they can't really control whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, you know, it felt like we could turn up, we could do everything we could, but nothing was going to really make a difference. Once there was clear guidance and we were told we, we have to close, things kind of got a little bit easier, especially on like the how we thought of it. You know, we could stop struggling against what felt like an unstoppable tide and start to figure out what we would going to do and have a bit of a plan we've always wanted a physical store that was always kind of the vision for form it was kind of the experience we wanted people to have so whilst we've kind of had a website we've never really invested too much time into it or made it a priority but what we kind of got blown away by was the kind of support we were getting from our customers and through that it definitely gave us a lifeline to keep going when we needed it and i think that's a really positive thing and it felt really good to know that our customers were out there looking after us a little bit it did mean that we kind of had to move all of our stock and packing materials and everything into our living room considering we're going through a house renovation at the moment there was like five reclaimed doors in the corner two new radiators to go on we set up at like a bit of a makeshift packing bench and um, just kind of got on with it and whilst it was a bit of a mess what what did feel really good was just having something that we could do that felt like a positive step and something that was going to keep the the business going and and it's kind of a theme even now that what is really one of the hardest things to deal with is just the the uncertainty of it and all these external factors that are really kind of take its toll on you do you think that short-term pivot to e-commerce will you know you'll continue that after you kind of reopen fully and everything's back to normal with the brick and mortar side of the business do you think you'll kind of like double down on, on digital and e-commerce because it works so well? What we did is we, we kind of sat down and had a conversation about what we were, we were going to be able to do. And we, we always came back to this idea of, of, you know, why did we start the business? It wasn't just to have a, a physical shop, you know, it was to support these like craftsmen, these people with like an amazing talent who can't always get their goods seen by everyone or you know can't always communicate in in the best way like the quality or craftsmanship that goes into it so it didn't feel too difficult that the challenge actually then was to translate that into like a, a different channel so instead of people coming into the shop it felt like what we needed to do was get that onto the the website and so we always knew that you know we had a resource there but we'd not really prioritized it and now what we're hoping is that we're spending time early, spent the last weeks working really hard, getting new photography up and, and everything, trying to utilize that website tool. And I think it's something that hopefully after that we will, we, you know, we're definitely going to continue with. We definitely think it's like a going to be a really positive thing that we've put this time and effort in. But we're not trying to do something wildly different. We're just trying to translate what we're doing in the store into, a, into different channels, into different ways of, of talking to people. Did the Manchester small business community have a really um, supportive response throughout the entire pandemic? Did they help each other out? Did they rally around one another? Did you help other businesses, you know, in your local neighborhood, for instance? It is a big city, Manchester, but there is a, a definite community feel to it. So when things were in like lockdown, I know we tried to spend our money wisely and spend it with other people who were maybe in a similar situation to us. And I, I know we got orders from people like that as well. There's a lot of support remembering, you know, where you spend your money makes a big difference. And, you know, there's a lot of supportive messages. There's a real um, 
community with it and i think it's good what's really nice you know you log on to any of the social medias and there's you know a good strong sense of defiance about it i think from the businesses taking time to to say things with a bit of humor as well and hopefully you know there's definitely going to be a manchester after this it's just if people choose where they go wisely and spend their money wisely it'll be a you know really positive one and that was episode two of looking up Coming up next week, we head to Brighton to see how businesses there have adapted and pivoted and, of course, all the lessons they've learned. Looking Up is created in partnership with Instagram, which builds products and features to promote and support small businesses and to help them grow in tough times. And for more stories from Courier, just head to couriermedia.co. I'm Danny Giacopelli. We'll see you again next week.